0: turn with me to James chapter 1 James chapter 1 beginning at verse 18 over the past uh, several couple weeks now we've been spending a lot of time on our Sunday evenings talking about and thinking about what Scripture says in regard to caring for the needy caring for the the impoverished those in need all around us and all around the world we've looked at really almost countless passages Dealing with this topic, we've we've talked about who the needy are and how we can minister to them. Over the next couple of Sundays, we're going to be dealing with that in Sunday school. We're going to have a couple Sunday school lessons, May the 9th, May the 16th, that deal with this topic, in which you'll be discussing it with your Sunday school class. And then in two weeks, we're going to have the Reach 82 ministry on that Sunday night, in which we're going to have ministries set up all around the sanctuary here that you can look at and see, how can I be involved in caring for the needy here and around the world? So we're kind of been saturating ourselves with that over the past, past couple of weeks and for the next couple weeks. But I don't want us to, to think about that right now. For the next 10, 15 minutes, while we deal with, with part of this passage here, I just want us to just consider what the Word says as we look at this topic, what James is writing about. So for right now, let's just consider James chapter 1 as we look at this passage. The first thing that we're going to see that James tells us here in this passage, starting with James 1.18 is to receive the word. And, and I want you to, to look at this passage. Starting at verse 18 and kind of working through verse 25, I want you to notice something that recurs over and over and over again uh, in this passage. Notice his emphasis on the word. Starting at verse 18, it says that he was that we were brought forth by the word of truth. If you look at verse 21, it says that we are to in humility receive the word. Verse 22, we're to be doers of the word. Verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. Verse 25, the perfect law. Again, that, the idea of word uh, there. So you see kind of the theme that's, that's flowing through this passage is, is about the word uh, of God. And so by that, we can think right now scripture, That scripture. The emphasis here is on scripture, God's word that's given to us. So with that in mind, let's start in verse 18 and hear what god's word says in the exercise of his will he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures this you know my beloved brethren but everyone must be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of god therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. God says here, James speaking, what does it say that God did? What is it that God did? It says in verse 18 that by an exercise of whose will? By God's will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. By the word of truth, the gospel, God brought forth life in us who are believers by the gospel in us, bringing us to salvation. He's speaking about what God has done in our life here through salvation. It's through God's sovereign will that he chose to bring us to salvation by means of his word. Now, look at verse 19. What does it tell us? What does James say here that we've been brought by the word in order to do? Listen to what it says again. This you know, my beloved brethren. But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve achieve the righteousness of God. Now, it seems kind of an odd thing that he's transitioning here. He's going right from salvation, being worked in us by God's word. And then in verse 21, he has talking about the word. But then right here in between this, he jumps into what seems like a different topic where he says to uh, be quick to listen, And slow to speak. So what's going on here? Is he just kind of jump topics or what? Well, if we look at it in context, at least in part, what James is doing here is talking to us a little bit about how we deal with the word. And so what does it say that we're supposed to do? It says to be slow to speak, but quick to hear. And so, in other words, when we encounter the Word of God, when we read and when we study the Word of God, when we hear the Word of God read and proclaimed to us, what are we to be? We're to be ones who are quick to listen and slow to speak. All right, but but that's not always the way it works with us. Sometimes, when we encounter the Word of God, we're a little quicker to speak than we are to listen. Have you ever had that happen, and when you're reading the Word of God, you run across something, and you automatically say, well, this is what I think it means, this is what I think it means, this is what it means. Rather than just listening to what God's Word says and taking it for what it says, sometimes we're quick to say, well, I think it means this. Well, maybe it doesn't exactly mean that. Maybe I'll soften that, uh, what it means. We're not to be quick to, to speak when we come to Scripture. Be quick to listen and hear what it says and to take it for what it says not soften the truth of it but believe it for what it is one thing we we do this sometimes when we come to tough passages we want to, to soften what it says maybe one example of that is the passage of the uh, the rich young ruler you remember that passage there's a, a a rich young man he comes to to jesus and asks him what does he need to do to inherit eternal life and then eventually this is what jesus says in luke 18 22. he says one thing you still lack Sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and then come follow me and the man what happened he went away very sad because he had many great possessions and a lot of times we want, we want to look at that and maybe soften it a little. Well, maybe Jesus wasn't exactly saying that. But Jesus wanted to say, I love, your, love the, the poor and love me more than you love your possessions. We want to maybe tame it just a little bit. But we can't tame what Scripture says. We want to take it for what it says. Jesus really was saying here, hey, go sell all your possessions and then come follow me. So don't be quick to speak when we run to Scripture and we read Scripture. Be quick to listen be quick to listen to what it says and take it and place it in our lives. And so when we're quick to to listen, what is it that we're supposed to do? Verse 21, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Humbly take it in. It's the picture of us opening our arms to whatever scripture says. Whatever it says, I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna believe it, I'm gonna do it. A theologian by the name of, of John Blanchard He wrote that this word receiving, it's the idea of a glad-hearted, welcoming, which underlies the point that there should be no resistance on our part to anything that God is saying to us. Our arms are open wide to what Scripture says. and say, I believe it. I will enact it. I will do it. I will carry it out. But listen, James doesn't just leave it here. He doesn't just say to receive the word. He goes on to take it to this next verse, logical step now there's some thunder he doesn't just leave it there so if you're following along in your in your notes you can fill in the blanks here the next thing that he tells us to do is to be doers of the word first humbly receive it second be doers of the word Uh, there's an american pastor who uh who, who gave a great illustration uh, of this concept of being doers of the word which is which is what James talks about next he, uh, he gave this illustration of a uh, a businessman he, he owns a business and he is getting ready to go off on a six-month long trip and so as he's getting ready for his trip he, he takes his second in command his assistant and he explains to him everything that he needs to be that needs to be done while he's gone on this six-month trip to Europe he lays it out clearly. He says, this is what you need to do while I'm gone. You need to take care of this. Make sure this customer is taken care of. Make sure this client is, is well taken care of. Make these phone calls. He makes list after list what needs to be done. He goes off on his trip to Europe, and over that six months, daily, he's sending in emails what needs to be done. And he's sending in faxes, and you need to take care of this. Letters are coming in. He's making sure that everything is taken care of. And so at the end of the six months, he comes back to check on his business. And when he comes to his business, things are in total shambles. He walks up, and there are windows broken out of the store. Grass is overgrown. There's weeds everywhere. Everything is just wrecked around the store. So he goes in, and you can imagine the inside looks just like that. nothing's been vacuumed, it's dirty, it's nasty inside, he gets inside there, and the receptionist is just sitting there watching TV and just not paying attention. There's a stack of mail that hasn't been read, and there is a a ton of, of invoices that haven't been taken care of. There are customers knocking on the door, and the receptionist isn't paying attention. He goes up to his assistant and says, what in the world has been going on? I've laid out all these instructions for you to do. I've sent you emails, I've sent you faxes. I laid it out. What what have you been doing? And the assistant says, "Oh, oh we have read Every single thing that you've sent. Listen here. I have all your, your stack of emails. I've printed them off. I've highlighted. I've underlined. I have your faxes right here. Everything that you've told us. We even gather together once a week on Friday mornings, and we review over all of this, and we even have some of your commands memorized what you wanted us to do. What do you think that business owner's going to do? He's going to pull Donald Trump and say, you're fired. You're gone. How good is it if you don't obey what the boss says when he lays out the instructions really clearly? It's it's foolishness. James lays out here following after this. We can't just be ones who hear and listen to the word. We have to be ones who put it into practice. We have to be people who do the word. Listen to what he says, starting in verse 22. But prove yourselves, listen to this, doers of the word, and not merely, merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he is like a man who looks his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. James points out that if we, we can't just receive the word, and listen to it. We have to do what it says. So James gives this almost a a foolish, absurd illustration of going to a mirror, looking at it, seeing your reflection in it, and then going away and forgetting what you look like. Now how foolish is that? How many of us can't give at least a basic description of what we look like? We see ourselves in a mirror all the time. So how foolish would it be to walk up to a mirror, look at ourselves, and walk away and say, I don't remember what color my hair is. Or I don't remember if I do have hair. You know, how foolish is that? James points that out by saying it's also as foolish to say that we're hearers of the word, that we believe God's word, but we listen to it, we hear it, but then we don't go do it. So he says, be doers. Be doers of the word. And so This is what we are called to do. To be doers of it. Listen to what he says in verse 25. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So listen to what we have to do. If we're going to be doers of the word, then we must look at it intently. That's what James says. Now, this is, this is kind of a powerful word that's used here, looking intently at it. It's this picture of gazing at it and staring at it and, and penetrating gaze until I take it all in. It's that kind of picture of looking at the word. It's not just glancing at it and then going back to whatever we're doing. Our eyes are focused on it. We're set upon it. This is the same word that's used when Peter and Mary go to the tomb. And they gaze intently into the tomb to see that there is nothing in there. Do you think when Mary and Peter went and saw the tomb that their eyes kind of glazed over and they looked at it and they kind of stared off for a minute walked about their day and about their way and didn't have any effect on their lives? No. You think they looked at that and stared intently at it and saw there is no body in the tomb. You can tell, I can guarantee you, that it was a penetrating gaze, staring at it, looking, seeing the claws laid there, and there's no body of Christ. That is how we're to look at the Word of God, staring intently at it, doing what it says, our lives being changed by having encountered it. This is the picture of it. So now, now let's get back to the topic we've been dealing with for the past couple weeks. Let's get back to thinking about caring for the needy and what Scripture says about that. Listen again to some of these passages we've heard before. Psalm 82, 3 and 4, Vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. Psalm 29, 7, Proverbs 29, 7, the righteous is concerned for the rights of the poor. The wicked does not understand such concern. Proverbs 14, 31, he who oppresses the poor taunts his maker, but he who is gracious to the needy honors him. The question that we need to ask ourselves as we're thinking about this topic is, are we going to be hearers of the word only, or are we going to be doers of the word when it comes to caring for the needy and as we're going to see as we look at james the context of what james is talking about here squarely in this passage deals with being doers of the of the word in context of caring for those in need listen listen to what he says next 26 and 27 if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue he but but deceives his own heart this man's religion is worthless Listen to what pure and undefiled religion is. Pure and undefiled religion and the side of our Godfather is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. There are several themes that James kind of goes back and forth between as He goes through, the, through his book here. But one of those, one of those is caring for those in need. And so look what it says there. Who are we to care for? Visit orphans and widows in their distress. If we're going to be doers of the word, we're to care for orphans and widows in their distress. Now, now, what's the big deal? Why orphans and widows? Well, in this time period, orphans and widows would have been some of the most needy people in society. They had no social programs, really, to care for them. And so a a child without a mother or father had had no hope. A, a widow who had, had no children or, or family or anyone to care for her, had very little way that she could support herself. And so these were some people who were desperately in need. And so James says, if we're going to be doers of the word, we're to, to care for orphans and widows. And, and this word, visit here, doesn't mean just to, to go and spend some time with them. It's, it's a word that means to, to care for them and to meet their needs. This is the same word that's used often in the New Testament to speak of God coming to help and to strengthen and encourage his people. So do that to the orphans and widows. And so now let's bring that in, into today's context. Who could we consider the needy, the helpless in, in today's society? We, we could throw orphans and, and widows in there, but we could also say all these people that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, those children all throughout the world who have no food, and the people in the world who are living on a dollar a day and can't have food, and the people in the world who have no clean water that they can go to, the, the persecuted church throughout the world that we talked about, the the Christians in North Korea who are eating grass because they can't have anything else, and their homes are being burned and destroyed because they're being persecuted for the cause of Christ. We can look and say, yes, those are the needy. And Scripture says, go visit those. Encourage, strengthen, help, provide for them. And so the question is, are we going to do this? Are we going to be doers of the word when it comes to this? Here's what John MacArthur says. True Christianity is manifested by how believers love and care for those who are in need, not by how they love and care for those they prefer, those who are close to them, or those whom they share common traits and interests. Love is to be the central and most visible manifestation of salvation. And as John makes clear, love for God cannot be separated from love for others, especially for fellow believers, and most especially for those who are in distress. The professed Christian who does not show compassion, meaning actually doing something to meet the needs of the needy, has reason to doubt, he is born again. So are we going to be doers of the word? James wants to keep the context here about caring for the needy and those those who are poor and, and oppressed around us. And so he tells us next to do not look down on the needy. And he gives this this piercing example uh, of a worship service. And there's, there's this worship service going on with Christians there, and they're, I'm sure they're getting ready to sing praises to God. And in walks a, a rich man, dressed in, in fine clothes. And it says he has, has beautiful rings. There's everything about him screams this is a wealthy man. And uh, a person in the congregation gets up and says, look, you can have my seat. Come here, have a great seat so you can see and participate in everything that happens. And then, so Someone who is very poor walks in. Someone who ha- has obviously very little, nothing. Probably has uh, just shambles for clothes, and and probably does not smell good. Has obviously not been taken very well, very well care of. And the person looks at him and says, "Here, you can sit on the floor at my feet." Now, now, obviously, none of us, you know, we're not going to do that. We're not going to have somebody walk in the door and say, "Here, we want you to sit at my feet." But Scholars pretty much are in agreement this is something that James saw. It's something that he saw and experienced in worship service where he was. And so he says, don't do that. Do you look down on those who are in need? Do you show, the the verse 1 that he says here, personal favoritism. Listen to this. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. Then he goes on to describe this rich man coming in and a poor man coming in. The The word here for personal favoritism it is a word that means literally receiving the face. It means judging on outward appearances. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves is, do we ever look at the, the outward appearance or the situation that a person is in, and we judge by the face, we receive the face, we look at that... The outward appearance and make a judgment on that person based on that. Do we ever see or hear about someone who's poor or homeless and automatically think in our minds, a lazy bum who needs to get a job? Do we ever make those snap judgments? Do we ever hear about somebody who who's needy and we automatically think he's just looking for a handout? Do we ever judge by the face? Look on the external appearance. Here, here's what James says. We must guard our hearts from that. Listen to what he says. This is, this is the reason why. Verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren. Did God not choose the poor of the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Did he, not prom- did he not choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? This, this totally flips the standard of our world. Our world's standard is if you have wealth and if you have resources, then you are the one who is exalted in this world. And we know that's the way this world works. But here, James says, God flips that standard that the one who is rich in this world will not be rich in the afterworld and the one who is poor in in this world will be rich here in heaven. Now, now we need to stop for a second and not miss what James is saying here. He is not saying that a person is saved by being poor, and he's not saying that someone goes to hell because they're rich, but what he is saying here is that God has a heart for those who are needy, and he has chosen to call many who are in poverty and who are in need to himself for salvation. We see this over and over in Scripture, Psalm 72, 12. For he will deliver the needy when he cries for help, the afflicted also, and him who has no helper. And over and over and over again we see this. So why has God chosen those who are in need to, to hear and respond to his word so many different times? We can't know the mind of God. We can't know for sure. But one thing that we see over and over again in Scripture, Scripture says it's hard for a rich man to enter heaven. Because it's so easy to fall in love with this world and with the stuff of this world. And God delights. God delights to show that he is greater than anything that this world has to offer. And he delights in showing that knowing him and loving him is greater than anything that this world could ever have to offer. So he delights in taking those who have nothing and saying, here, I give you everything now by giving you myself. God delights in showing himself greater than everything else. <clears throat> so, God has this heart for the poorest. What, what is it that we're to do? Verse 8. If however you're fulfilling the law, the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. So we're Called here to fulfill the royal law. Notice, notice how the the same kind of idea is going on. Be doers of the word, fulfill the royal law. So how do we do that? Love your neighbor as yourself. Or who's who's our neighbor here? Well, of course, that can be they be anyone. But in context, who's he talking about? Those in need. Those who who are in or a poor and needy, and it says to love those, and so how do we do that? I want us to stop for a second. I want us to stop and ask ourselves, how is it that I would want to be loved if I were in a situation? You know, that, that's really the question to ask in this. How would I want to be loved if I were in different situations? Because that's really how we're commanded to love others. So if I, if I were poor, how would I want somebody to love me? If I were homeless, how would I want somebody to love me? If I had no access to clean water, how would I want somebody to love me? If I had no food, how would I want somebody to love me? If I were a persecuted Christian, my house being burned down, family being threatened, how would I want global Christians around the world to love me? If I were living in bondage and slavery, How would I want people, Christians, to love me? The point here is that that love acts. Love doesn't just sit by and say nothing and and watch as, as people suffer. But the point is here that if we love others and we love ourselves, then we're going to actually do something because we wouldn't want somebody to come up to us if we were impoverished or if we were homeless or we were a persecuted Christian and say, Man, that's a tough situation, and not do anything for us. We would want love to act, to do something. And so listen to how James summarizes this in James 12, James two twelve and 13. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Listen to that again. Judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment because, listen to this, because if we have the Spirit within us, if we're truly regenerate believers, then that should overflow in love acting out to the needs around us, ministering to the needs around us and throughout the world. So what, what's the conclusion of the matter? It's here in James two fourteen through 17. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? That's the question that James asks. If we say we're believers, but yet we have no works, can faith, that faith save us? And, and the rhetorical answer, to the question that begs the answer is no. Because true love flowing out of true, regenerate heart acts. It does something. And notice, starting verse 15, what context does he go to when he talks about acts, the works that we're to do? If a brother or sister is without clothing and need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Here is, here's the danger for us. This really is the danger for us, that, that, that we will hear of needs or we'll encounter needs or we'll hear scripture that talks about needs and we'll hear that and say, yeah, we, we need to do that, but then we, we walk out the door and we kind of forget about it. That, that's really the danger for us right here because we, we don't see the, the needy context all around us and all around the world. The, the danger is that we'll, we'll see that and we, we might pray for that, but we, we won't step out and actually meet those needs. James says, be a doer of the word. And so that, that's the only question I leave you with tonight. When it comes to the matter of caring for the needy, or whatever else God has laid on your heart about being doers of the word. Are we going to be hearers, or are we going to be doers? Ask yourself that this week. Here's what I encourage you to do. I encourage you this week to gather together with your family and think through some of these passages that we've talked about and to pray together and talk together as a family. How can we be doers of the word when it comes to caring for the needy? How can we do that as a family? And begin talking about that and begin talking about what will our finances allow? You know, we're giving to the, the church building fund or tithes and various offerings. What can we do in regard to caring for the needy? And then I want to encourage you to, to make plans to be here on May the 16th. One of the things that, that we often struggle with, how do we know we're not getting scammed? Or how do we know that this person's not going to go use this money for that? Well, one thing that we're going to do is we're going to set up several different ministries that we know are good, solid, legitimate ministries that you can be involved in and that you can make a difference in the lives of people here in Somerset, Placid County, and all around the world. Children who may not have any opportunity that you can make a difference in their life forever. We're going to have some of those set up, so I encourage you to be here for that so you can learn, here's a safe way that I can be a doer of the Word. Perhaps God will provide some way for you to get to know someone who is needy, and you can reach out and minister to that person, get to know them. One of the greatest needs that the needy around us here in Somerset have is for believers to come around them, befriend them, get to know them, share the gospel with them, and disciple them. What would we do if we had some needy person that we encountered? Would we go that extra mile, that step to do that? Perhaps that's something that the Lord will open a door for you. This summer, we're going to have opportunities where we go to some, uh, the the housing area, government housing areas here in Somerset, and we're going to have opportunities just to get to know some of the people there, play with the kids there, go to door-to-door, get to get to know some of these folks, and God may give us the opportunity there to share the gospel and to meet some needs that people have here. So, so the opportunities we're, we're seeking to provide here so that we'll keep this on our minds and we'll keep this on our hearts and so that we will not just be hearers of the word, but that we'll be doers of the word. So keep that on your heart this week over the next couple of weeks. Keep it in, in the forefront of your mind. Will we be doers when it comes to this? Let's pray. God, we give thanks to you for your word that you've provided for us. God, I pray that you'll help us to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Whatever the context of what your word says, whether it's for caring for those in need, providing for our brothers and sisters, uh, obeying uh, the godly speech, whatever it might be, God, may we be doers of the word and not hearers only. God, I thank you for this body. May your blessings fall upon us and may we be used to be a blessing to the world around us.